You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> I'm Kyler Bingham, and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing a book, a novel that came out about 20 years ago. And this year, 2020, it is finally getting the audiobook release that it deserves. I'm referring to the novel Sarah by J.T. Leroy. Uh, Laura Albert is the author. So Laura joins us, as well as other people who were involved in the making um, and the production of the audiobook. So we're going to get to know Winsome, Nicole, Brian, and Jamie, who had an, a huge part in uh, creating this beautiful audiobook. So I want to thank I want to thank all five of them for taking the time to talk with us. It was such a such a treat. Um, also, it should be noted that uh, Laura's other work, "The Heart Is Deceitful Above All Things," comes out in February on audiobook, also through Blackstone. So keep an eye out for that. Now. When we we started our Zoom call uh, the other night, uh, the conversation just kind of started, and I failed to hit record. But there was such a cool story that Laura was telling um, before we actually officially started. I had to um, hit record, and hopefully, um, our listeners will, <laughs> will will make sense of it. I think you'll you'll get what's going on pretty quickly. But I couldn't help myself. Such a such an incredible story. Okay, without further ado. We are going to talk to Laura Albert, as well as four other people that were involved in the making of the audiobook, Sarah. Say, but I would make it crazier. I would stretch it out. I would take the truth that they, they usually had something correct, but then something wrong. So I wouldn't say, oh, that's crazy, but I would make it more wild, right? So it would kind of confuse the whole scent, you know? I love it. I like that phrase, confuse the scent, because it really gives you this sense of the beagles hunting the fox. <laughs> oh, it would happen all the time. I would have someone come up to me and say, you know, well, I heard that JT was so-and-so and blah, blah. And I, I would sometimes go right at it and say, well, I'm JT. And like someone once said, oh, I heard, oh, I remember it was Gary and Deanna at the choral room party. And he, came, he comes up to me. And it's funny because he was someone who I worshiped as a kid in the punk scene and actually made a tape where I was interviewing other kids who were in foster care with me who had been in and out of institutions because he was writing about that and I never sent the tape to him. I kept it, but it was the idea that somebody cared and could do something. So it was, it was my way to try to find a workaround, which was actually what my, write, my writing was, which was this elaborate workaround, but for not being heard. But he came to me and he said, well, I heard that JT's re really the cousin of Savannah and is this um, really fat or morbidly obese, you know, uh, woman, mom or something. And I said, well, I'm JT Leroy and I'm not morbidly obese. <laughs> and it just confused him. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, that. you know, so it was like, 
it was sort of like that. And they would have they would have part of the story, but part of it would be wrong. And I just thought, you know, you just kind of like, yeah, well, I am the CIA and blah blah blah. Anyway, so hi everyone. Should we uh, should let's, we begin our meeting today? Who's going to read the minutes? Let's let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's go ahead and start, and it's a pretty pretty loose podcast, so I just want to, I feel like I'm like at an early Thanksgiving Zoom call right now um, with a bunch of relatives I haven't met yet. So let's go ahead and go around the room. I'll, I'll start with me. I'm Kyler Bingham, the host of the Salt Lake Dirt podcast, and I am absolutely thrilled to have uh, the people who are behind the audiobook of one of my favorite books of all time, Sarah by J.T. Leroy, Laura Albert. Um, so maybe we could all just go around and I, and I'm in Salt Lake city, hence the name Salt Lake dirt. If you could just go around, say, uh, who you are, where you are located and what was your involvement with the audiobook of Sarah? All right. I'll, I'll do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm Laura Albert. I'm the culprit <laughs> <laughs> as the, the New York times once put it that, uh, I'm the author who wrote the fiction book, Sarah. And thank you, thank you so much for that, Kyler. That's lovely. And um, yeah, I wrote Sarah under the pseudonym J.T. Leroy. Great. I'm Winston Brown. I was lucky enough to be chosen as the narrator of the audiobook of Sarah. And I live in New York City. Excellent. And you look stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I put on my lipstick. Uh, I put on my lipstick so that everyone who's listening to this podcast. <laughs> I can vouch. We can all vouch for it. that. <laughs> Excellent. I'm Nicole. Tyler, we're... Sorry, go on. Oh dear. Uh, I'm Nicole Vigagne. Uh, I uh, edit uh, with Lauren and work with her on her writing. I was also co-producer of the audiobook of Sarah and have been co-producing the audiobook of The Hardest Deceitful Above All Things, which is nearing completion now. I mean, in San Francisco as well. Great, excellent. Hi, I am Jamie Matler. And uh, hi, um, I was the engineer slash director on Sarah and I live in Brooklyn. I'm Brian Barney, audio producer for Blackstone Publishing, and my job here was to bring all of these lovely people together. Excellent. And I have to say, they've all had a very good sense of humor. <laughs> 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 and were very patient and um, have had to have a trauma-informed approach to uh, making an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here, here I hold it right here. I love, I love that I was able to get a hard copy of this from Blackstone. Um, maybe I could just start. So I was, like I said, Sarah's, you know, that's been one of my favorite books for the last few years. I, I'm kind of late to the game. So I think I have in a way an advantage that I, I when I got Sarah, I knew all about the JT Leroy stuff. So there was, I just kind of like, okay. And then I could just focus on the good writing that was before me. And I, there was no issue with who, who really wrote it and who was this person and yada, yada, yada. I love that I could just read it from a pure um, um, sense. And getting the audiobook, uh, I was just surprised that there hadn't been an audio version of it until now. Um, but I think it was absolutely well worth the wait. I loved listening to this and Winsome, Winsome such an incredible job. Um, 
Thank you. It just brought me in to the story so much more and gave it gave it to me like so much more depth and and um heart and i i love it and something i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to again and again so what a beautiful gift for laura albert and jt Leroy fans uh, out there so thank you everyone but uh, yeah so i guess i want to ask why is this just becoming an audiobook now in 2020 because you have to wait you have to wait for for the right for the right moment it has to be it has to be um god's will not your will you know and god to me is that there's a uh something higher i don't know what that is i haven't quite found it you know like a, a way to express it um i tried to do it bloomsbury which was the original publisher of the jt book um, set me up. We had a home studio and we had, they were ready to do it. They were going to pay me to do it. We had everything here, Pro Tools. And I started recording it and it just was not right. It, I just could not do it. And people were upset. There was a demand for it, but I was like, my inner sense of timing, I do feel like I have this, sometimes I have the wisdom to listen to it and sometimes I rebel. But it was like, this is not correct. It will be the correct time and then you will know and the correct person will be there. So, and then, then I went to a strip club and I met Winsome. <laughs> <laughs> Pasties and a G-string, I was there. Uh, showing it all, saying, pick me. Thank God I was with Brian and Jamie because they saw the opportunity. <laughs> That's where Laura and I met. She bought a pack of cigarettes from me, you know. <laughs> I was walking up and down. <laughs> this is literary, right? Just yeah. Trying to keep it up to standard, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, lo I love that it, um, because I was never really, I never listened to audiobooks, you know, in the past. So probably just the last couple of years, I, you know, I got Audible. And I think like a lot of people, maybe we weren't really aware of the art that goes behind an audiobook. And I, I certainly don't know to the extent of what that is, but I know when I hear a bad audiobook, <laughs> and that stands out. And this was, like I said, just such a great, a, a great piece. Um, when so I'm when was this recorded? Like when you guys all met, you came together. Um, I'm assuming pre-pandemic, you were able to get this project off the ground. I can tell you the dates. It was December nineteenth and twentieth of. 2019 and i know this because the 20th of december is my mother's birthday and to me this uh, this is winsome speaking um to be chosen to do this was was really a singular honor and incredibly meaningful for me i've i've always wanted um to to be reading literature for people uh and it's something that i do you know privately in my home and to my family and stuff and and this book with its blend of incredibly um, complex and rich poetry and emotions and humor, I mean, off the hook humor, as well as devastating human experience was like basically the most full meal that one could ever hope to jump into um, uh, as, as an audiobook narrator. And for me, there was something, it's, it's all about the mother uh, and the relationship of, of the narrator and the mother and um, of JT and, and the mother. 
of Sarah. And so the fact that it was recorded on my mother's birthday and my mother died um, in 2012. And so her birthday is, is a day of connection and also the, the realization of loss as well, the kind of commemoration of something incredibly deep and, and beautiful. And so the fact that we recorded it on that day felt that we finished it on that day felt incredibly powerful to me. So that's why I remember the exact days. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, so how about, uh, so Brian and, and Jamie, I'm, I'm curious how Blackstone um, came to be involved in the, in the project. It sounds like the, you know, the next book is coming out within a matter of months as well. So um, you're, you're releasing pretty much the full catalog here. Yeah, we were um, fortunate enough to have had a previous relationship with Bill Clegg, who I, who is Laura's um, literary agent. Um, and he, uh, when this book came up for renewal, he was able to offer it to us and we jumped on it right away um, because it was exciting to, to be the company who was going to put this out in audio for the first time. That's great. Um, Jamie, excuse my ignorance, but I'm just like, what, as a producer or being involved in the production element of an audio book, what, what, were, what are the biggest challenges or the things you're, you're trying to strive for to get a great quality audio book? Well, Winsome made it really easy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, Brian, Brian's the producer and I'm the director. So I'm the person who works with the actors in studio. And part of my job is reading along to make sure that they don't make mistakes. They're going to just making sure that we fix them. Um, part of my job is engineering. So just hitting all the buttons and saying we're rolling. Um, and then the other job is sort of the nebulous aspect of art, which is directing. And, you know, everybody has a different approach to that. Um, and my approach can change depending on who I'm working with. You never quite know how it's going to be when you have someone who's a first time narrator come in, even when they're an accomplished actor. Um, there's sort of a question of like, what are the parameters of this art form? How is it done? And so I remember Winsome and I sitting down and just sort of having, having a chat about what is this story about? What are these characters about? How does an audiobook sound? What is this art form? And um, basically she got in the booth and made me realize that conversation was unnecessary. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I basically, I think of myself as, um, uh, I jokingly uh, say that I'm Cookie Monster's assistant, where Cookie Monster is eating all the cookies and my job is to catch all the crumbs and go, Cookie Monster, you missed this crumb. And Cookie Monster says, yes, crumb, and throws it back in the mouth. Um, <laughs> So that's about it. I, my job is to let the actor shine and make sure that, that nothing, uh, no crumbs fall. But, but I'll say this is Laura, that, that that's underselling the capacity for, I mean, when I, cause I recorded a story there, I recorded, um, no, what did I record? Nicole, what did I record? Uh, you did balloons. Huh? Oh, balloons, right. The first one I read. Uh, so it, I really expected kind of a, I, I was in a bunch of different studios when we were doing, um, what is it called, o o AR for the um, the documentary, the JT Leroy story, is it mm -hmm. called AR? 
when you're doing like, voice stuff. Oh, ADR. ADR, yeah. yeah. And and even some reading, reading some stories. And I was used to it just being kind of like very formal, kind of no connection. Even in the Vice studios, it was just very kind of and I I was like, okay, I'm going to be very professional. I'm going to be very professional. I'm going to keep my tail tucked in. My ears are hidden. And I was just so struck by the warmth of Brian. And then Jamie, it's like um, the warmth and you feel held. And that's, that I think, depending on the work, you know, you might not need that. And depending on the person who's used to kind of like unzipping, using the urinal, putting it back, going away. But this was different, you know, this was more, um, it's emotional, and it's heavy, and feeling that there's someone, like, like, locking in with you, it's not just catching crumbs, it's holding you, and making a safe space, and you feel that, okay, I can make a mistake, I can be present with this, I can be vulnerable here, um, that's rare, and that that was really something that was created and very palpable. That's great. So, I mean, I guess this you kind of answered my my next question, but I, I'm curious. So, this is directed to, towards uh, Nicole and Laura. Um, having someone read words that you have been so painstakingly a part of um, personally is is that a? I mean hopefully not a dumb question, but is that a challenge or are you able to just let go and let the artist take, take it and run with it from there? Well, if it's Winsome Brown reading it, then you're home free. <laughs> Aww, you know, thanks, I mean, you listen to her read Sarah and it's like watching a bird in flight. Mm. You know? mm. uh, or, or like watching a, a thoroughbred run. This is what someone is born to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, the feeling of being, oh, now you can relax. Now you can let down your guard and everything. Uh, uh, that's the effect there. And of course, uh, Winsome also participates in the other audio book that we've done as well. Uh, because, you know, hey, uh, but uh, it, there was never any, any question. It, it, it was uh, once we knew it was in the right hands, uh, you could just sit back and, and marvel at it. Right. Which is what people do ever since now. Now, they, now the world can do it. I love it. Um, so with the next one, with the, the heart is deceitful, that's um, several different narrators that you you have a part of that project? Yes. Uh, we decided to really go to town and, and bring in a, a, a whole slew of people. So this is very typical for, for an audio book, uh, but uh, the stories deserved it. And we brought in a, a, a beautiful range of, uh, of folks to read it. And I don't want to stiff any of the names, so I'm going to call them up on a file right now. Laura, why don't you tell them a little bit more about what we're doing with that while I call up that file? Well, they were, I mean, Blackstone has been <laughs> very in, indulgent, very patient, very loving. Yes. Um, I'm waiting to get the cease and desist any day from <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Sorry. Um, where it, it's the idea. Well, for me, it was JT shouldn't be just me because it, it wasn't. And JT kind of became everybody. Like everybody should have their five minutes of being JT. And I think bringing people who were um, part of my past, who had some connection to the work 
and we have a very diverse eclectic group and that's absolutely beautiful many of our readers are people who wrote to me or i read an interview where um they said that they became a writer because of sarah or because of the heart is deceitful and now they're noted writers and of course the invitation was well it was just such a coincidence would you like to read like um what's what's paul's name paul mendez uh, is a perfect example the author of rainbow milk uh who is in london uh and he reads one of the pieces now in the heart is deceitful above all things. It's a very interesting group because as actors, uh, there are musical people, uh, there are, are uh, uh, writers, uh, and from an array of backgrounds and different personalities too, uh, which bring the whole thing to life. Uh, let me also stop for a second and just say that the precedent for this was that we brought in uh, the, the, the artist and filmmaker, Leela Dare, uh, to read on the Sarah audiobook because uh, Billy Corgan, the musician had written a special forward for that issue, uh, the reissue of the book, and we wanted to include that on the audiobook. And and Lee was kind enough uh, to do a beautiful reading uh, of Billy's words uh, for that, and, and uh, set the stage uh, for for Winston's tour de force. Uh, oh, we should have had Lee on this. Oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> What's the matter, hon? Uh, <laughs> oh, I just I realized we should have had Lee on this, dude. Well, we could we could say great things about them right now, so let's, let's go that direction. Okay. Yeah, Lee. Rock. And, and yeah, and Lee was an absolute pleasure to to work with and and correspond with. Do you want me to see if I can get him on? <laughs> I mean, he's pretty. Uh, I can send the it. Schedule to him. is crazy, but you you might be able to try to call, dear. I can talk about some of the other folks in the meantime. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, uh, we have. Uh, uh, the the writer Alyssa Bennett uh, 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 is reading. Uh, so is Winsome, of course. Uh, Chris Del De Castro, uh, the artist. Laura Desiree, uh, the media personality. Actress Karis Dorsey. Leila Hiyani, uh, the uh, uh, makeup artist. Uh, John Hawkes, the actor. Michael Imperioli. Uh, Donovan Leitch. Shirley Manson from Garbage. The director Darnell Martin. Uh, actress Julie Mintz, her sister Libby Mintz, uh, the actor Daniel Newman, musician Lawrence Rothman, the writer Pamela Sneed, uh, uh, the actress Robin Weigert, all of them are participating in this. Plus there's Laura reading as J.T. Leroy and uh, Jeff Feuerzeug is uh, reading the forward that he wrote uh, for the reissue of The Heart. Wow, you have like everyone in there. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's quite the list. <laughs> there may be one or two more people before the dust all settles too. Uh, this is just being finalized right now. Uh, but, but yes. And we I can't wait for that cast party. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the zoom of all time. It's going oh my to be beehive uh, <laughs> with all the little honeycombs of faces and that, but we're going to do a big event uh, for that when that comes out and that will be a Sarah party as well. And we're looking towards. We're doing we're doing it at um, Brian's house, right, Brian? <laughs> he wants to break the lease, so he's asked us all to come. Uh, <laughs> so when, when can we keep? When can we? Uh, when can we listen to this? What can when can we listen to? The heart is deceitful. Brian, we're looking uh, really towards a February release at this point. We're on schedule for that, aren't we? We are on schedule for a February second release, twenty twenty one. Yeah, we should have the meeting right now about where we're <laughs> <laughs> I I am, it, it's, it was really 
wonderful with winsome and everything that uh i didn't i was kind of with jt it's like i was um being speedy which was sort of like the handler and the manager and what was so wonderful is um just really like what nicole said just letting it go and it was it was really beautiful there were there were a couple of things where we listened to it and nicole do you remember those where it was um go on a little bit dear how do you mean uh i'm trying to remember like uh the conversation like uh with the mom the mom voice or something in in sarah in the heart now it's the sarah with sarah where we spoke to winsome well we did a lot of speaking with winsome as she was preparing it she was kind enough to send us uh audio excerpts about how she was going at it and discuss the different voices and everything and it was it was really just uh, 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 uh it was very simple and direct winston knew what she was doing it and was it was very easy it was it was just it was just completely like once it, it's almost like you know when when you see someone working with a an expert ballerina and you're just like can you just move your hand to set little tiny touch and then and then you just it's done you know when i first heard winston doing the voice of sarah the little hairs went up on the back of my neck it was mm. so startling uh, because she caught that bray and that quality that that character has to have uh, and indeed sarah is a minor character in sarah and but she brought her just completely vividly to life and, and that's why we knew it was going to be a, an epic experience uh, to hear uh, this, the novel done that way yeah, it's it's like I said, it's incredible. Like when I listen to it, same thing. It just like you know something I've read several times over the last few years, and to hear it done so well, and it was just I couldn't have um, hoped for a better representation of the work. So uh, I can't you know sing your praises enough, uh, Laura. I, I did have a question. So um, when I heard that there was going to be an audio book, I just naturally my brain gravitated towards you being the one who would read it um was that was that something you were interested in at the beginning or no 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 i knew i knew what it i th think it was really great that i had that experience like i said uh trying to do it because i realized how not it, it's really hard it's kind of um there are so many art forms where people know they can't do that. They can't do it. Like you wouldn't go to a ballet and say, oh, I can do that. You wouldn't, you know, go to a, eat this like amazing uh, meal. Very few people would think, oh, I could do that. Um, a museum and unless, you know, modern art, you might say my 12, my three-year-old can do that. And, you know. But I think writing is something that a lot of people do believe that they can have a bestseller too. Of course I can do that. Uh, they have that mirage, you know, that they, that kind of fantasy. And I think it's the same thing with an audio book. They don't understand how hard it is. The, not to change words, right? That's just something, Jamie, I don't even know how you handle that, but the little things of, you think you read the word, but you changed it right and having to i mean it's like if you grew up with radio right i grew up my parents my dad was a big radio fan and i had the kellogg superman um 
records, so albums of the old Superman radio broadcasts. <laughs> and I would collect these things. And I grew up with radio and storytelling on radio and what a voice can do. And I, I knew that I might give good telephone, but that's very different from reading a story and words already written and conveying them. And when I met Winsome, it's funny because I was looking for it like the Cinderella. I had the shoe and I needed to find the foot. And I have a habit of wanting to jam like a 12 inch foot into a four inch shoe. And it was like, I kept, it, it was like, let's get this foot in there. But I finally backed off and I was like, okay, the, the right foot's good. And I'm sorry, Winsome, I'm not calling you a foot. <laughs> but you are kind of <laughs> like that. You are kind of like foot that. long any day, Laura. That Monty Python foot, that, you know. <laughs> Right. We have a foot fetish, so it's a, it's a compliment here. <laughs> yeah. It's a heavy lift to read a, a novel like that in an audiobook period is a heavy lift. I know Jamie and, and Brian can tell you all sorts of stories about how, how difficult it is. And, and something like Sarah is deceptive because it's relatively short and it's so direct and it has a tone and a special quality. And you think, well, once you lock into the groove, you're all set. And that's true enough. Uh, but to get through it page by page, especially with the changes in emotion uh, and tone, is extremely difficult. And so, I mean, again, what Winston did is a tour de force. Uh, and our friends at Blackstone, again, could tell you uh, just how tricky it is to try to do an audiobook of, of any kind of material, even if it's fairly straightforward and, and not about deep emotional things. Nicole, I just want to jump in for a second and describe a little bit our process of working together because Nicole and I did something that I think is quite unusual in recording an audiobook which is that I kind of rehearsed with her beforehand as as she said I I did send some kind of excerpts of here's what I'm thinking of or here's a tune I'm thinking of for for one of the hymns that kind of thing mm. um, but I who come from you know theater and film and television and have done a lot of solo performances. So I am accustomed to holding a lot of characters in one place. That's, that's something that I love to do. And yet this is, this is a new medium and it's a closer medium with the microphone being right there and you being the voice in the audience's ear. Um, having somebody guide me through that so that when I came to work with Jamie in the room, in the booth, I, I had a sense of, of where I wanted to go and how to get there. And then she and, and also Brian could help me to get there even, you know, more precisely and technically on the day. Um, but that work with Nicole was, was a real gift. And I don't think that it's something that many narrators have the opportunity to do, which is to essentially work right side by side with the author as represented in her right-hand woman. Um, so I wasn't working with Laura because having it through Nicole almost gave a bit more air to the process. But by working with Nicole, I was working with Laura. And so I knew that I was bringing the author's words to life in a way that would please Laura. And that, I mean, the whole thing seemed quite sacred to me um, to, to have met her and then to be chosen for this you know, seminal work and to to bring her voice in this complex kind of there's the there's the narrator there's the book itself and then there's the story around the book of 
Laura and her relation to JT and JT's relation to the world and and the the film author and all of that. So I was conscious of all of these these different pieces and Nicole um, so generously uh, gave her time to help me um, to help me go in there and feel confident. Uh, and that that made the process with with Jamie and with Brian just such a joy. So anyway, this was really a long winded toast to Nicole and say thank you. You're the best. Yeah, I, I took absolutely that Nicole has this theater background and the plug-in I think that for me this is Laura um <laughs> to be able to trust it's like the the circuit you know I mean I squeeze that baby out let's why don't you you do your your expertise and I believe that Nicole was able to hold it and impart the way she did, even in preparing it for the new drafts of the books, um, going through it each word to make sure, uh, like savoring it. it it's almost like um, uh, My Fair Lady being able to know the, you know, the rain in Spain, you know, taking each word addiction, where um, I, it's too convoluted for me. So that was just so beautiful, your connection and your relationship, because you do both come from theater. I was going to say that uh, I had the opportunity to prepare the text of Sarah for the reissue uh, that HarperCollins did. And this is, of course, the edition that uh, Winston read. So I, I actually had the material pretty much at my fingertips and was able to make the connections uh, that she would ask me about the certain people with it. Uh, but I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart used to say that a great theater director, if, if they give you direction, you'll, you'll step six inches, maybe a, a full foot to the right, if they ask you to, you know, and that's clearly what it really was with Witzer, for goodness sake, you know, it was, uh, it was our confidence that was being built uh, in all of the discussions that we had. Sure, uh, I could see some of the connections and help to put things into a, a, a bigger perspective for her. And as soon as that was clear, all you had to do was listen. Uh, it was just uh, what Whitson does cannot be taught. Uh, this is a gift that a person has naturally uh, to be able to to bring emotion uh, to life like this uh, and step back herself and let that come out for people to to be able almost to touch with their fingertips. That's uh, uh, that is something you cannot teach a person to do. Uh, that is a, a natural gift, and and she has. Thank you, Laura. Oh, thank you, Nicole. Sorry, I, didn't... <laughs> I got a first step too. <laughs> That's great. And, and again that that we were lucky that we found a home in blackstone you know a place that i'm not treated as um yeah it, it it's a little left of field how we're doing this and they're just like okay you know we we're we're down i never once i kept expecting like i said to get the cease and desist letter you know <laughs> Brian, you still okay? <laughs> it's been a labor of love for sure, but you know, it's been it's been rewarding at every step. I remember that first phone call we had when you said, "Well, these are all the people that I want to read on the audiobook for The Heart is Deceitful." And I thought, "Okay, well that's going to be a tall order." And then one by one over the course over the last several months, they've all delivered their stories and 
So, I mean, everybody's delivered their part here and it's been a really rewarding experience. And the thing that even kicks it up is we have to remember that we started this before COVID. So I was in the studio in February. When, do you know the date, Jamie? I can look on pictures because I have those. We have it documented. Uh, I can look in, in my calendar real quick. I'll, I'll pull it okay. up. It was something in February. Mm -hmm. But it was before COVID. Yes, it was. And I think it was right before COVID. Um, uh, February 26th. Wow. Oh, wow. That's just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so not long after it was like lockdown. And I remember when I was there in San Francisco, actually, in, when I was in New York, San Francisco, where I live, declared a state of emergency. And I was thinking, man, maybe I'm better off in New York City, but um, turned out not to be like that. But people have turned in their stories from all over the world. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful, that's incredible. Do you guys, Brian, how would you normally do something like this? Like what, so maybe we can talk a little bit about what that's been like for you guys to record in lockdown. Yeah, that's one thing I, I did want to ask because I, this is the biggest interview as far as multiple people that I've done um, for the podcast. I'm curious, and we have representatives from all kinds of different fields, um, and, and I'm just really interested interested in how this has impacted your your work. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Brian and, and Jamie, I'm, I'm curious how that has impacted you um, and what you're doing right now. I'll let Jamie take this one. Uh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, Brian and I have different things going on because I don't work at Blackstone anymore. Um, but uh, basically what happened in the shutdown um, was we started remote engineering people. So I started working from my apartment. I got a whole computer set up with a laptop and a talkback mic and a, and a mic pre and um people started setting up home studios. Now, a lot of our regular narrators that work all the time, they already had home studios, but then a bunch of people started building them. And I'm assuming that a lot of the people who um, were working on this project, uh, they either had access to a studio, had some recording equipment, and sort of have gone through this process of having remote engineers, remote directors working with them over Zoom like this, making sure that uh you know everything is coming out okay winsome how about how about you how is um how's this pandemic impacted your work well um i i recorded baby doll for the heart is deceitful above all things um from my home studio which is like so many people's home studios in a closet uh with blankets around it and I used Source Connect, which is um, an online platform that basically makes the engineer and you have a very clear connection. And um, it was wonderful. I, I already had uh, most of the equipment, but I didn't have the Source Connect. And so how it's impacted me is, and, and I think so many performers during this time, is that we've had to become technologically 
adept and facile enough that that doesn't throw a whole lot of nerves at us right as we're trying to be performers. I mean, one of the luxuries of, of being a, a narrator and having somebody like Jamie or Brian um, right there at your side is that you can just relax and all you have to do is, is you know, submit to the performance and allow yourself to become a vessel. But um, if you're the person managing your source, well, source connect, once you have that going, the engineer is then taking over. But, but um, you know, I recorded another audio book from my home, from my home studio. And um, I think many people are doing that. So we're wearing many hats. Uh, and I think that's how it's affected us is that we'll, we have to, to get quite good enough at the tech that um, it's not uh, impinging at all on our performances. Um, and so, I, I mean, that's the way the day. I remember 20 years ago, a friend of mine who was a theater, who is a theater reviewer saying, now I have to, in addition to writing for the magazine, he wrote for Time Out New York, I have to also, um, you know, write for the web and do social media. And I'm not getting paid anymore. It's, it's just, uh, I have to do two jobs. And I think that's kind of everybody right now. I mean, no matter what side of, of, of the business you're on, everybody's doing more jobs than they used to do. And um, that both gives us more power, but also requires a, a different kind of attention and um, engagement. That's a good point. And, and there is a difference, as we've seen with people who are doing it from home. I mean, we've had to record, re-record a couple of people because there wasn't somewhere to kind of spot them, you know? And like we're saying, having somebody say, oh, you changed this word and that word, you know, where, where uh, it's, it's so easy to do. You know, like the word says that and you've changed it to which or, or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can relate. I mean, totally. I'm a high school teacher, but I'm, I'm wearing two hats. And it's, uh, it's been, you, we're just kind of thrown into it. And we all, we all, no matter what career path we have, we are just doing the best we can, hopefully. And, and it, it seems like I, I'm curious, like, some of the creative works that are going to come out of this time period. Um, I guess we'll see. So, uh, Laura, Nicole, how about how about you two? I know you work together. Um, with, with your writing and, and, and your business, how has this impacted you too? We're just selling penis bones out the window. <laughs> I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't dare go out the door anymore. Uh, uh, it, it, uh, hey, somebody on uh, a Zoom call, we had this guy, he told me how, he shared how <laughs> a, a Tinder date picked up his penis bone and used it as a Coke spoon. <laughs> That's, first of all, he went, it's like, he was like mortified that the guy would do that. And the guy was more mortified when his friend, when he said, well, that's a penis bone. A penis bone is like, wait, not a Coke spoon. It's like, what, you know. It seems anyway. appropriate. Yeah, it seems appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how, what we're doing, um, I'm in the process of, I don't like the word memoir. I don't, what would you call it, Nicole? I would call it a book. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Laura's writing a book and it's, it's her life story. And uh, it's, as a writer, she's at the top of her form. 
this is what uh, is such a special joy. It's it's writers are the wrong people to ask about uh, the the problems of the pandemic because being able to keep the door shut and keep people away, you know, is considered a plus, not a minus. And so it's it's beneficial for writers, uh, really. Writing is not a social art, even when writers are collaborating. It's not a social art. Sure, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we take advantage of this time. I've been working on manuscripts and, and Laura's been working on her book as well. And of course, we're able to coordinate everything that, that we need to do as, as we proceed. That's for great. Us, it's easy. Uh, we, we don't have to show our faces. I love it. Uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's for folks in other professions uh, that have to deal hands-on with people like Brian and Jamie and, like, and Winston, of course, uh, that have had to become even more creative. Uh, we're, we're lucky. We're not challenged to become more creative. We're creative enough. Thank you. you know. uh, <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Nicole's completing her book on the Tao Te Ching. Did I say it right? You said it right, dear. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Uh, during this time, I've written a, an English language version of the Tao Te Ching, uh, working right. from a, a book uh, that breaks down uh, English meanings for every single character of all 81 poems. Phenomenal. I, Phenomenal. I'm not literate in Chinese. I can't do a translation, but I can create an English version if I've been given a range of meanings for each word in the original Chinese. And so uh, uh, that manuscript is one that I've completed now. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to check that out. That's so cool. And Laura, I'm so I'm so excited because that, that was one of the questions. I mean, and I think a lot of your fans have the same question. You're probably annoyed with this question is like, when are mm. you going to put something new out? And I'm so excited that you are working on something because, you know, I love everything you re you write. So this is going to be incredible. Can we, Nicole, I mean, how many, where, where is it at right now? How big is it? <laughs> Well, uh, uh, folks will see uh, uh, the, the, the right material f from the larger manuscript that's being generated now, but there's, uh, we're at, uh, well, at this point, we have about 700,000 words. And uh, oh, wow. we, we will- uh, And Sarah uh, uh, was what, 50? 45, uh, 45, okay. you know, so it's, uh, it's about 15 or 16 times longer than Sarah. Uh, like Obama's multiple volumes, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be huge, but uh, what we'll put together is something that works within a, a smaller, more focused context. And there's going to be other material for, our, for other projects and other releases, too. Uh, this has all been, Laura had stopped writing for a long time. And mm -hmm. when it finally kicked back in again, it just has been coming out in this, this beautiful torrent of coherent and, and meaningful and unforgettable prose that's going to knock people out when they see it. Oh, my God. That's the truth. That's lovely. <laughs> the, the way it happens is our processes. I I write. It starts. I start hearing it. Um, it's sort. It's sort of like I use this uh, metaphor of um, or example of, you know, the film Alive, where the soccer team is stranded. They have a plane crash and they're in the Alps or the Andes, yeah. and they forget about eating one another, but they realize <laughs> they have to try to hike out. No one's going to come to rescue. And I was waiting for someone to rescue me for a long time. Like, uh, could someone else write it for me? Or um, the documentary was necessary just so I can even be heard because it wasn't even possible to be heard. And so much of my life is finding a workaround to be heard right? Um, part of the creation or the creation of altars was always as a workaround because I felt impossible to be heard. So 
Um, once I understood I was now able, people were actually asking me instead of telling me. Once it was where uh, it, I was able to kind of push back against the, the dominant culture narratives about me. And I felt, okay, now I can do this. So, and it was, it was awakening a muscle because remember I also went through a trial and, and I, I lost that trial um, because I had a lawyer that meant well, but he was in over his head. They had a big team and we didn't have anything like that. And the Authors Guild got involved and helped me with that. But after, but I felt the gate go down, the right, the gate. I was like, I'm done. Um, I mean, it still makes me cry to this day. I, I just, I felt it. It was like the storm gate. I was like, I'm done. I really literally, you know, where you hear it and that slam down. It, it was that. And so the fact that it was able to open lift is I just didn't know that that would happen. And um, and Nicole really holds me each time. Because every time, it's, it is like, like I said in the, the Alive, where I get a piece done, a section, and I never know what is the nugget. What does this need to tell me? What am I trying to find? Because that's how I find out the truth of what's inside, of what happened. After I was outed as JT, everyone and their mother was coming, here's a book deal, tell us. And it was very unsatisfying them for them to hear my answer, which is, I don't know. And if that's what was the, tri the trial was about, because I wouldn't let someone else make a film where they were gonna define me when I couldn't even say what it was. And I wouldn't accept or do a book deal where I couldn't say it. And I knew I needed to find out by going back to the work. Again, it was like trying to find the right person to do Sarah. It takes what it takes. It's, there's a, a poem, a line from Robert Penn Warren that goes, the secret subject of any story worth telling is time, but you can never say its name. And if you don't fucking get that, you'll you'll get slammed in your in your face again and again i find at least for me if i try to do my will it just will not work it a has to follow b it's like storytelling a has to follow b has to follow c they have to connect and it's the same thing with for me when i write a story i write um and i get to what it is i i send it to nicole she she sends back an edit i work on it and then finally i get to where i know it's a final like i find out a piece that i find out something i didn't know was there before but then it's like now i'm back in the swiss app so there's a scene in alive where there there's the music is crescendoing they're gonna get up one of their their you know uh frostbite and they're eating tofu that's actually the bodies of their compatriots and their soccer team and their you know cannibals and they're about to see the little swiss village and they get up to the top of the mountain and it's more fucking swiss alps so that's what it feels like because i've been working on this for a very long time where i'm like oh shit now i've got to start another one but Little by little, we've actually 
gotten past, I mean, we, we've, you know, I'm starting to see the Swiss village. I mean, we've, yeah, right, Nicole? Oh, yes, yes, there's, uh, uh, the thing is really falling to shape now and it doesn't have much further to go. It, it's, it's very interesting. I, I've become uh, uh, very attracted to the, to the music of Richard Strauss uh, recently. And I realized that Laura is doing the same thing that Richard Strauss did. When he started out as a composer, made a big splash in the 1880s and 90s, writing orchestral pieces uh, that brought to life uh, iconic figures of, of literature or folk uh, tales. Uh, Don Juan, the great lover, Till Eulenspiegel, the, the prankster and troublemaker, uh, 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 Don Quixote, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the dreamer and buffoon, uh, Zarathustra, the philosopher. Uh, these were all aspects of his own personality. He was dramatizing ego images with this music. And then Strauss went on uh, to make art about himself. Uh, uh, Einheldenleben, he is the hero of Einheldenleben. Uh, he is the subject of the Sinfonia Domestica, which is about his domestic life with his wife and his son. Uh, he and his wife are the subjects of the opera Intermezzo uh, that he wrote the libretto for as well as composed in the 1920s. And that is a, it strikes me as a very healthy progression uh, to go uh, from uh, animating ego images uh, to, uh, if you like, mythologizing or creating art about oneself. This is the reason why Laura was a little fussy about what to call the, the book that she's writing now. And she's quite literature is what she's writing now, just as all of it has been literature. But it's not about animating an, an ego image anymore, which is what J.T. Leroy was. All of her own feelings and values and ideals uh, expressed in, a, in a, a different kind of metaphor, but all there point by point by point. And now she can deal with these subjects directly as herself and about herself. And this will be only more instructive and more beneficial and more interesting to people. So it's a, it's a really joyful thing to see, a very healthy and profound progression as an artist. And to be able to, to witness that is a privilege. Oh, Nicole. <laughs> That's great. So I, I mean, I, I think what I'm hearing from all this is um, like the books taking as long as they did be, to become audio books. It was, it was necessary to have that space and time for it to come out at the, at the right time. And, and it clearly was. And so, um, in Laura, I think we've talked about this before about the the craving of certainty that we all have on some level, but others more more so sometimes. So, I can't imagine being like bothered constantly about when is this going to happen. I I need I need certainty for myself when I can read your next work, but you're the one making it. So, well worth the wait. Whenever this comes out, I know. Um, people are going to be so happy. Well, well I, you know, I think it, it, it also is an important message for all creatives out there to know the world says, do it now. I mean, I remember my first agent, I was given a very high-powered literary agent, not Bill Clegg, when this, I was first outed, and he said to me, well, no one's going to care about you in seven months. And I said, well, people didn't care about me seven months ago, so what do I care? What do I lose, right? And I have learned the importance of the right fit because even about documentaries, I knew internally, I knew someone was going to lift the rock off of me and make a documentary. Like I just had that very strong 
I knew it. Okay. And I knew my job was again, the Cinderella foot to wait for that, you know, that uh, title, that movie, the vampire movie, let the right one in. Mm. I was like, God, please let me let the right one in. And my desperation, please don't let me kind of let the wrong one in. And I was, I was constantly, I was approached by so many people. And it was like, when Jeff Fierzig came along, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he is definitely the right one. And I, it wasn't my time, time frame. I wanted it right away, but I was not ready. And it's kind of like the universe making me ready. Um, it is such a wonderful fit with Blackstone. I, it just, I keep waiting for them to turn into the mean court. Well, I won't say mean, but more like they come back and just say, you know what? You are just too fucking out there. This is just like, gotta stop. Because I mean, it, it's been complex. It's been complex. Uh, you know, we've had people who've had different things come up in their lives and we've added stories that weren't available before. Um, and they have not accommodated my fantasy of um, mean, cool TSA agent, you know? <laughs> Everybody knows Blackstone is the top of the line when it comes to this sort of thing. Michelle Obama did her book with them and uh, they have uh, done nothing uh, but uh, been supportive and encouraging and, and, and creative and responsive throughout this whole process. It's just been a joy. That's great. Well, I think um, this might be a good- Guys, I would, just, I would just say for the record right there that uh, Jamie did that book with Michelle Obama, not, not Blackstone. Oh. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Brian, for clearing that up. I'm sorry. Congratulations, Jamie. Dear. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but I love that audiobook. I love that audiobook. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Blackstone has done a lot of really, really wonderful work in the industry and is well respected. Well, great. So I encourage everyone to go out and get Sarah right now. It's available. And then within a matter of months, we're going to have uh, The Heart is Deceitful above... above um, all things. And uh, that is going to be a real treat, especially hearing all the different people involved in that project. Um, okay, so I want to thank you all for your time. I know we could probably go on for hours. I know I could. Well, I, I just want to say one thing. I, yes. In, in the movie, in uh, author, the JT Leroy story, I say how I filmed Sarah. And I've I always felt it would be a movie, and I think it will be, like Gus Van, Gus Van Zandt was going to make it and then someone else right. thank god it didn't happen with that other person um but i really feel like listening to winsome she films it with her words with she's she's filming it she's taking it to that other level and i've heard from people who are dyslexic and have not been able to read the book okay so they they love everything around. They've been able to absorb it. Um, one man tells me how his boyfriend uh, would read it to him, but he really wanted to be with it and how finally he's able to listen to it and receive it. And that's just, he says it's filmed. And that is just so, um, I, well, I don't even have the words for it. I mean, Winsome just, and it's funny because when we connected Winsome, um, they, I remember you guys, was it Brian? We, like, you guys were like, oh man, we've been trying to work with her. <laughs> right, Brian? 
Yeah, and it ended up being a great connection. I sent Brian some chocolate, so he's busy with the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what you say, Laura, about cinema, because I've actually, I've listened to the audiobook of Sarah, and so did my husband. And he was, he was talking about how your, your, your kind of molding of time is so incredible, and how you break down a moment that is, you know, probably a, a second or two in real life, but it might take three or four pages. Um, there's the bit where the lemon goes flying out of the mouth and onto the floor and, and JT goes flying off um, uh, the lap. Uh, it's, it's this wild comedy, but that's broken down beat by beat so precisely. And, and in hearing it, it almost, it, it does become cinematic. And I mean, I'm flattered that that might be part of my work. I think it's also just part of the way you write, that when you can take these, these, these words and these images that you give them and take them in a, a kind of the slightly slower time that happens when you listen to something rather than when you read it. Because when we read, the, the images come flying by us like driving in a car. But when you listen to something, it's maybe a little bit more like taking a walk um, through, a, through a book. And um, so anyway, one of the things that I was, was fascinated with in, in this cinematic quality, in listening to it, is also the degree to which the comedy um, comes apart from, from, you know, the emotional devastation that you're, that you're uh, presenting with all of these characters and their, their intricate lives. But there, there's so much physical comedy, and you really get that when you listen to it um, uh, in a way that is, yeah, incredibly cinematic. I would yeah. just add here very quickly that Winsome also understands the intimacy that's necessary in something like this, especially this text, which has a first-person narrator. So there is a person talking to you all of the time, and regardless of what other voices may be lapsed into in order to create dialogue, uh, there is a deep intimacy uh, that a listener has to feel. And that's the kind of thing you normally get in film when you can look in an actor's eyes. Uh, that's what happens as you listen to her speak. Uh, you're looking into her eyes. Mm, God, that's so beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes, yeah, and that, that, that's exactly it. Yeah, you, and you're feeling, you're feeling the, the, the hug, the fingerprints. Um, and I think that would be the next step with this is, is I think it could not, be done in a movie back when it was first a, and I was trying I was pushing because it was my will and when it is correct I mean Nicole and I have talked about it we, we definitely think it needs to be done by a woman Nicole do you want to talk about that well uh, we could talk a bit about that if you want hon. I just think it's interesting I mean you know <laughs> it, it treads on such dangerous ground uh, about gender and sexuality and everything, that it becomes very easy to get stuck into the wrong pigeonhole. Uh, the, when you read the book, you realize that Laura's gone out of her way to make it pigeonhole proof. You can't say anything about the character's identity or sexuality, uh, uh, really, because it is just an open situation uh, that changes as different things present themselves to the narrator. And there is an instinct we've found, especially among uh, the men who have been attracted to the material and have proposed to adapt it in various sorts of ways, uh, to reduce it into something that's more recognizable uh, and that diminishes the, the emotion and the pathos. 
uh, that's in the story. It is the very fluidity and, and undefinability of the narrator uh, that makes it meaningful. He's not a teenage queen. It's something much, much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. I, to me, like, I really thought there was a great marriage of uh, artistry in this project. I think you can look at writing and say, like, here are the rules of writing. This is how you construct a sentence. Here are the beats. This is when you have to have your denouement. And when people are like, but I just have this story I need to tell. Perhaps I break some rules. Perhaps this is a little unusual, but here's my story. And it comes from a place um, without um, uh, a drive to create something technically correct or without ego. This is just my art. And then you hand it off to someone uh, to help you create it. So in this situation, we go from author to narrator and we've got winsome. And instead of saying, here are the technicalities of acting, here is how you do character voices. This is what has to be done. Um, we find someone who without ego releases themselves to the words. And you've got two great artists sort of working together, even though they weren't in the same room. Um, but both of these uh, endeavors can be done in a technically perfect way here is how it's done and it can feel a little sterile and when you allow artists to say no this is how i need to do it this is what my body is telling me this is then you get something that's really unique and powerful and um so lacking in ego that you forget that people had to do work that it right. just becomes something outside of them and that's yeah that's it right there i mean we, you're talking yeah. about just like the effortless, like people think they can, they can write or they can do this or they can do that. When, when I think people think that that's when the true, true artist <laughs> is working because they're, they're so good that it, it looks easy. I mean, like the people that I've talked to, I've said, Oh, your book was so, it was so quick to get through it. I loved it. And it was just, I read it in two nights. Um, and they, they like to hear that, but at the same time, it's the word by word, the painstaking, like the amount of effort that went into making it come off as looking like it was easy. That's, that's the true artist right there. And I would add to what Jamie said. Um, Winsome narrates this book in an accent that is not her own. Mm. And so to achieve that level of, of naturalness, of, of, of genuine storytelling, um when that's that's not your native accent it's really really impressive and, and it wasn't doing it wasn't doing jt it wasn't doing it was what how does this sound to you you need to make this character which which is uh cherry vanilla which doesn't really have a name i mean he doesn't have a name and how he sounds needs to be uh organic to you and how did you do that winsome how did you find your voice i suppose i allowed it to come um i you asked me you said would you be interested in in recording this and i remember i was actually in vancouver working on supergirl i was playing a kryptonian witch <laughs> from the hotel room in Vancouver, I recorded something on my phone and sent it. And I didn't listen to anything in advance. I just, I read it how I felt it. And, um, and, 
And it was only after that that then I started listening to author and, and I mean, I watched author and I heard JT's voice in its various incarnations. And, um, and that, I, I allowed that to, to, to touch me, but I had already kind of arrived at my own version of, of that narrative voice um, right at the beginning. And then uh, for, the, for the various characters in it, uh, I, I mean, the, the work with Nicole was, was incredibly helpful. And, and uh, Jamie, I'm incredibly touched by your use of the word egoless um, or lack of ego because that is something that I, that I truly aspire to as, a, as an artist, um, is to allow myself to kind of be, be, a, be a channel for, for those voices that are bigger than I am. And that's the joy of it. And that's the joy of getting to touch the flame, somebody else's flame and have it, have it light in me. But for the other characters in the book, uh, working with, with my idea of play and fun and, and difference, uh, you know, practicality, some of them are men, some are, some are women, um, sometimes where they come from in the country is, is specified. And, and so those in that informed, and I mean, I love accents. I love working with accents and voices and, and play. Like with my daughter, we talk in a million accents all day long. Like that's my favorite thing to do. And to, to get really precise about it so that it's not about a, a show, um, like a party trick, but really like, what might it be like if this is, if this is how I was, how would I be? What would, what kinds of things would I say? And, and so it's, it's like living many lives in one life. And so this is why, as I said right at the beginning, it was a singular honor to be chosen to do Sarah, because I mean, the depths of life and human experience that you touch in this, Laura, are, are so profound. And it's just such a wild trip to be able to allow them to come through my body. So thank you, <laughs> thank you. There, there's this wonderful um, uh, line that David Milch, um, who is my mentor, who created uh, the HBO series Deadwood, among other works. Uh, he says, resting transparently on the grace that gave you rise. And that to me describes um, your performance is resting transparently on the grace that gave us rise, right? And um, that is exactly what Jamie said. And, and, and that's, that describes the, what this whole experience, it's just allowing it to be of itself, which is what I always wanted and, and dreamed of. And um, I feel very hashtag blessed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag humbled. <laughs> yeah, great. I was just I was just thinking about um a couple things that people were saying, like talking about how the protagonist and Sarah can't be pigeonholed and um Winston talking about all the different voices uh that get to be voiced men and women and how in so many other aspects of acting, um Winsome would be told, you can do this, you can't do this. These are roles that you can play and these are roles that you can't play, whether or not it's because of age or gender or any other aspects, you know, hair color, even whatever. And there's something kind of magical about uh, an audiobook where there's no visual component. And so any person, no matter what they look like, can 
can be that character. And then within that book, unlike any other acting, you are every character. No one says, well, you don't get to do to voice the men because you're a woman. And it kind of makes Sarah the perfect book to be made into an audio book because, um, you know, anyone can be anything when it comes to audiobooks. There, you know, there is no pigeonholing in that winsome did have to be everybody there's mm -hmm. sort of this openness that i love and and this ability for an actor to do every role they were ever told they're, they're not allowed to do mm -hmm. <laughs> containing multitudes absolutely and and that that was the wonderful thing that uh brian has allowed us to do with um the heart is bringing people that aren't aren't actors there are a few that are creatives and are very successful in other fields but have this inner spark where they or they understand the story and that they can bring um there's just something in their voice that maybe there's a technical that is not there but there's this high-pitched um heartbreaking availability to what's being communicated that resonates over a technical skill you know so they've they've been very uh hashtag patient <laughs> and and allowing uh us to cast a wide net and and make it available um and i and i and an extended family so Nicole, you want to add something? Uh, I think you've said it all, dear. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I would mention is that I remember Orson Welles saying that uh, what uh, every each of us contains within ourselves uh, a murderer, a saint, a, a monarch, a slave. And the actor's job is to push all the other parts of the self aside and let that one part come out uh, so that people can see what that kind of person is actually like. And uh, with the audiobook, uh, Winsome does that and shows the other faces of the other characters as well. And that's uh, a quite an extraordinary uh, thing. You don't see that very often. Uh, and that's what makes this, this particular audiobook such a tour de force. That's great. Well, does, does anyone have anything else they want to add before we conclude this amazing conversation? Brian, when can I bother you again? <laughs> Brian? Oh, I, I, I expect on Monday, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, put down the chocolate, dude. <laughs> Boy, she does pro project. Um, yeah. All right, Monday, what time? <laughs> you heard it here, folks, right on this podcast. This was all a, a guy's a trick to get Brian talking <laughs> yeah. to Laura again. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I'm so hard to get a hold of. <laughs> Nicole, Laura, yeah, let's 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 talk on Monday. <laughs> oh man, I love you guys. Thank you. Right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. It was a, it was a blast, and um, um, thank you, Kyler. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for cr creating this beautiful piece of work. Um, I'm so thrilled that people that that truly cared and and, and loved loved it put so much effort and. And um, it shows and it's it's incredible. So thank you. Thank you so much. And Kyler, just thank you. Yeah, this was really wonderful. And I just I want to thank Winsome for taking time from your day, Nicole, 
Thank you, Jamie. Brian. <laughs> Thank you. I'll let the, I'll have the stalkers leave outside. Do you want them to hang around a little more so you can keep feeling like you're in the crown? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll find you first. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, this this is really cool. And Kyler, just man, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you it's, it's an honor. Okay, I, I'll be in touch. So thank you so much. You all have a great weekend, and bye, um, have a great one. We'll see you. Party on, Garth. Thanks so much, Kyler. Bye bye. 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 Nice bye. meeting you bye. all. Okay. Love bye. you. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome, Laura. Mm -hmm. Bye.